Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want to read to you tonight um, three verses of Scripture, and we're just going to talk. I'm not going to preach, and I'm not going to hold you long. We're just going to talk and try to position our minds to get prepared for what God wants to do in our life. In Matthew chapter 6, I want to read to you verses 16, 17, and 18. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. But we got to make sure that we don't get so familiar with the Bible that it becomes common to us. we got to make sure that we don't get so familiar with the Bible that we hear a verse of Scripture and we think that we already know everything that that verse has to say because God wants to speak to us all the time. And I want you to listen tonight as we position ourselves for God's blessing. In Matthew 6, 16, Jesus said, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I want to talk to you tonight about an open reward. Just to make sure that you get that. Before we get out of here, because I I just want you to get some basics tonight, say open reward. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. I pray that you'd be our teacher now in Jesus' name. Amen. We have done this consistently through the life of our church, set aside a time of consecration. There have been times where we did it the last 21 days of the year through the month of December to prepare for the upcoming year. There have been times where we did it in, December, in January as we're doing this year to set aside a portion of that first month as a first fruits offering to God to prepare ourselves for the entire year to come. And this year, starting on the 11th, we're going to come in here every night and we're going to pray. Some people, if they'd be honest, they never prayed for an entire hour. And I told you all this morning, some people will pray Some people will sit and just soak in the presence of God, and that's okay. Some people come straight from work and catch a nap, and that's okay too. But I want you to come out as much as you can during this time of consecration. Now, consecration is a churchy kind of word. Consecration is a word of religious connotation. Can anybody tell us what consecration really signifies? To set aside. To consecrate something is to set aside something for God's use. Now, I, I love some of the videos I've seen, um, lot, lots of great teaching available in the world today. I saw a teaching about utensils because the Bible says God wants to make us uh, vessels in his hand that are fit for his use. And we actually had in a youth Bible study one time, uh, we had somebody take a bowl of ice cream and set it down in front of the kids, and they were like, cool, but we need a spoon. So they gave them all filthy spoons. And I'm like, I can't eat with that. Well, why can't you eat with it? Because it's dirty. So it's not fit for your use for eating ice cream. Much in the same way we present ourselves to God 
to be useful to him, but he can't work with that. He can't work with us because we're dirty. He can't work with us because we're not fit. We're not consecrated. We are not set aside as holy. We, we've not gotten our lives in a place where we really can be valuable to God. It would be like if you were moving a bunch of heavy furniture in your house and I showed up fresh off back surgery with a back brace on limping uh, and Deacon West showed up in a muscle shirt all swole out, uh, you would know one was fit for use and one was not. You, we got to get ourselves prepared if you really want God to do something in your life. Now, here, here's the reality. I never take for granted that everybody that comes to church is truly born again. Because the Bible says that the road to heaven is narrow and few there be to find it. You say, well, we're in church on Sunday night. Listen, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. But I do know that there are Christians in this room. And if you are truly saved, one thing I know about you for sure, there is something in you that wants to be used by God. There is something in you that wants to please your Father. That something in you is the spirit of the living God that compels us, that constrains us, that draws us, that motivates and empowers us to do what God has called us to do. And Christians want to please God. They want to honor God. But to do that, we got to get consecrated. We, we don't have to wash spoons so we can eat ice cream, although it's a good idea, but we're not eating ice cream tonight. We need to wash ourselves so we can present ourselves to God and say, use me. So many times people, especially new people, come to the church and the political church, which we are not, but a lot of churches are very political, and they, they want to kiss up to the preacher and people come in and say, what, anything I can do for you, Pastor, and just let me know anything I can do. Well, we got ministries, get involved with that. It's, it's not about uh, what you can do for a pastor. It's about is your life useful for the Lord? So we've got to get our hearts prepared. We've got to get our minds prepared. And I believe that if you will come out for all or any portion of this consecration, you will have the opportunity to get yourself in a position where you are a vessel fit for the master's use. The Bible says in Hebrews that without faith it's impossible to please God, for whoever comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The last part of that verse is so valuable to the life of a Christian. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Here's the question. How diligent are you being and you're seeking him? Because if we'd be honest, most of us are up and down. Most of us are in and out. Most of us, even the best Christians, don't, don't spend as much time in their word as they know they should. They don't spend as much time in prayer as they know they should. They don't spend as much time consecrating their life, their home, their radio, their television, their internet, their tablets, their cell phones. These things are not constantly being consecrated unto the Lord. And we need to diligently seek God because his promise is that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, if I were to ask you, and you'd be honest, if, you, if I said, do you want God to reward you? Of course you do. You want God to reward you, but his promise is to only reward those who diligently seek him. Can you make it colder in here? Um, she got it. We've got to get serious. I told you the theme for 2017, and it's wild to be in 2017. Anybody other than me? We can talk about it. It's just Sunday night Bible study. Uh, 2017, that's just wild 
that we're in 2017. But the theme for this year that God gave me, and we'll be talking about it throughout the whole year, is uh, getting serious about getting healthy in 2017. And I talked to you this morning about those five different realms that we live in. Physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, and financial. And I want us to get healthy in those five areas as individuals and as a church. But you got to continue to ask yourself, and I'm going to be asking you a lot this year, are you serious about getting healthy spiritually? We looked at our text this morning out of 3 John, where John said to Gaius that I want you in every way to be healthy physically just as you are spiritually. So he talked about two ways, but we're talking about complete health, not just physically, not just spiritually, but financially, emotionally, and relationally. Now, if you talk to most people and you said, what are your goals for 2017? Most of them would revolve around two of those areas, the physical and the financial. That's constantly on people's mind because if you are overweight and it's causing you health problems, you know you need to lose some weight, so that's on your mind. If you're broke and running behind on your bills and hiding your car from the repo man, then that's constantly on your mind too. But we've got to make sure that we put Christ at the center of our life in 2017. We need to concentrate first and foremost on our spirituality without neglecting our physical, our emotional, our relationships, and our finances. One of the ways that we can get to this place where we're talking about being a vessel fit for the master's use is to do those things that God said. I've talked to you many times about churches that hold up their Bible and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do, and I have what it says I can have. And that's cool, and that's a great confession, but it's just not true. It's, it, it's not true most of the time for most people. If I, if I say this is my Bible, uh, then that's true for sure. It is. This is my Bible. I paid for it. If I say I am what it says I am, well, I'm not completely everything that it says I am. Uh, I don't have everything that it says I can have, and I'm not being everything that it says I can be, but I should, and I want to, and I desire to be closer to God. So the point is you got to do what he said do so you can have what he said you can have. If you're not doing what he tells you to do, you're not going to have his blessing. He said he rewards those who diligently seek him. I believe one of the greatest ways to show diligence is through fasting and prayer. I've been to dozens, if not hundreds, of church conferences, webcasts, seminars on church growth over the last 30 years. And I've never heard any of these strategists and church growth experts say, here's the way you grow a church, fasting and prayer. That's, just, that's not what they talk about. Why? Because they know that's not what the church member wants to hear. Church member doesn't want to hear, well, here's how you're going to get your, your life squared away. Here's how you're going to save your marriage. Here's how you're going to get your finances on track. Here's how you're going to get your mind together. Here's how you, God's going to bless your family and your children and all the things that you need God to do if you will fast and pray. Fasting and praying is a biblical concept, but it's not a current-day church growth concept. And I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I'm more concerned with the individual health of the people who claim Christ, that abundant life, than I am with church growth. Nowhere in the Bible does it say how big a church needs to be. God said if two or three gather in his name, he's there in the midst. I'd rather have five people in this room that were truly in love with Jesus than 5,000 people who were just meeting because it's Sunday. 
So we got to decide, do we want to get healthy spiritually? And if we do, then we need to get serious about it. Well, the way we do it is we do what God said so we can have what he had, says we can have. In verse 16 of our text tonight, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said in that first phrase, moreover when you fast, comma. And I've told you for years, you got to read between the punctuation. you got to pay attention to the punctuation. When you see a comma, you need to pause and realize, okay, here's a portion of a verse. Take verses in bite-sized portions, piece by piece. you got to take them in digestible phrases. Here's a phrase. Moreover, when you fast. So Jesus is saying, in addition, all that other stuff plus this, when you fast. Now, I want you to understand the importance is he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast because fasting is an expected Christian behavior. Jesus expected that we would fast. Fasting was such an expected Christian behavior that the religious leaders asked Jesus, why aren't your disciples fasting? John's disciples are fasting. Everybody else is following Jehovah is fasting. Your people aren't fasting. And Jesus said, well, as long as they got me with them, they don't have time to fast, but they will fast. We are expected to fast. Now, we'll talk about fasting between now and the end of the month. But basically, fasting is to deprive your flesh of something that it craves for the purpose of giving yourself over to more spirituality. Fasting is not a diet. For most people, fasting becomes more about the diet than it is about the spirituality. Listen, if you decide, and I've told you, you need to pick something that you're going to fast. Some people will fast coffee. Some people will fast sweets. Some people will fast red meat. Some people will fast caffeine. Some people will fast different things. Some people will fast television. Some people will fast video games. It it doesn't have to be food. It has to be something that your flesh craves. But if you fast, if you deprive yourself of that, but you don't replace it with more prayer, more Bible study, then you're not fasting, you're just depriving. See, a spiritual fast is to deprive and replace with better. You got to decide, what am I going to do away with? And I want you to pick something. I want you to be thinking over these next 10 days what it is that you are going to fast, what it is that you're going to vow unto God to do without for 21 days, so that you can concentrate on him more. I've seen people fast staying up late at night. I've seen people fast TV after 7 o'clock. I've seen people fast some of the wildest, strangest things. But it always pays dividends. Because the Bible says that God is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. But in all labor there is profit. God said he rewards those who diligently seek him. If you deprive your flesh of something that it wants. So that you can give God more time. In prayer, more time in Bible study, more time in personal worship at your home. That's diligently seeking him, and God is going to reward you for that. So I want you to be thinking, what is it that you're going to fast? But when you fast, let's just say you do away with red meat. You are going to be thinking about what you're missing. But please hear me well. you got to concentrate on what you're adding. It's not as much about what you subtract as it is about what you add. I said it before. I'll tell you again. If you fast something food-related without replacing it with more spiritual things, then you're just on a diet. And that's not what Jesus meant by 
when you fast. But he said, when, not if. He went on to say in verse 16, be not as the hypocrites. Come, be not as the hypocrites. Okay, so obviously hypocrites fast. Well, of course they do. The Bible says everyone is a hypocrite. And at some level, we all say one thing and do another. So there is a hypocritical way of fasting, but there's also a proper way of fasting. And we want to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of fasting like, well, I'm not a hypocrite. So, well, everybody is according to the Bible. In some levels, we got to make sure that our fasting is not hypocritical. He says that the hypocrites fast and they make themselves look sad. They disfigure their faces. They walk around groaning and moaning and acting like they're dying. So someone will say, what's wrong? And so they can say, oh, I got this caffeine headache because I'm fasting because I'm holy and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you sinners. That's not the type of fasting that God is looking for. He, he doesn't want you to make this a show to people. Jesus went on to say at the end of the verse, I tell you they have their reward. They did what they did for the praise of man and not for the glory of God. See, this is what the scripture tells us our options are. You can do the right thing with the wrong motive and not get a reward from God for it. If you do what you do with the wrong motive, well, here's the two motives. For the praise of man or the glory of God. Do you want people to say, oh, she's such a good woman. She's a, he's such a good man. Or do you want God to know your heart and know that you're doing things for the right purpose? He went on to say in verse 17, but thou, or you, when thou, he said it again, when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face. Listen, we are going to fast and some things are going to create some problems for some folk. I promise you, if you're a coffee drinker, you give up coffee for 21 days, that third day is going gonna, is gonna to work your head. If, if you're a soda drinker and you give up caffeine for 21 days, that third day is going to give you a headache that you've never had before in your life, and you're not going to enjoy it. But you need to learn how to smile through things that you're depriving yourself of for the purpose of giving God glory. He said, when you're fasting, go about your business as usual. Verse 18, here's the key, and I'm going to get you out of here. He said, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. This is the key. We're not doing this for people. We're not doing this for the preacher. We're not doing this for the elders or the deacons. We're not doing this so anybody can see us. Some people will be very faithful to this 21 days. Some people will be here a lot. Some people might even make all 21 days in a row. But don't do it because you want people to see you. Do it because you want God to see you. Come, give that time to God. Everything you give to God, God rewards you for. God made a promise that if you give anything to him, he will bless you for it. And I want you to give your time during this 21 days to come up here and pray with us and spend this time setting yourself aside, consecrating yourself, getting yourself positioned so that you can be a vessel fit for the master's use. He said, don't do it for people, but for God, which is in secret. Last part of the verse is the money shot. This is what I want you to concentrate on. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God sees what you do. Now that's good news and bad news. That's good news for people who aren't getting any credit in this life. Because some people, some of the most spiritual people, some of the most rewarded people in heaven will be names you've never heard of before. It won't be apostles, prophets, bishops. It, it, it won't be potentates. It won't be kings and dictators. It will be humble people who prayed and served God in the secret place.
Because a lot of people get their reward here on earth. But when you do something unto God, you don't sound a trumpet over it. You don't go tell everybody what you did. And the Bible says that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Here's what I want you to know. I believe the scripture teaches it's God's plan to reward you openly. I believe the scripture teaches it is God's plan to give you so much goodness that you have to brag on him. Because God said he will glorify his name in all the earth. And that word glory in that passage means to add weight to. I've told you before, it's like a character reference. If you're standing on, on, before a judge and you want a character witness to come up there and you want the pastor to come up there and tell the judge you're a good person and that's not really you and give you a second chance, you want someone to come in there and sign off on your story. You want someone to add weight to your claim that you're a decent person that shouldn't go to prison for what you did, but you should get a second chance. When God says, I will glorify my name, he said, I will add weight to my claim. Now, how God adds weight to his claim is by getting us to character reference for him. Now, if you claim that you love the Lord and that you're a child of God, but you live shabby in front of everyone you know, you are not giving God glory. You're not adding weight to his claim because his claim is that he saves, heals, and delivers. His claim is that he gives us peace, the joy unspeakable and full of glory. His claim is that he gives us a peace that is beyond all comprehension. His claim is that he blesses us. Now, if you're walking around unblessed, if you're stressed out and bugging, you are not glorifying God because you are not adding weight to his claim that he takes care of. Of his own. So we got to get to a place where we're adding weight to God's claim, where we're glorifying him. It's his desire to use us for his glory. Now, the good, the good news for us is if we'll get ourselves useful, don't be that dirty spoon that you don't want to eat with. Be that clean spoon that is fit for someone to use. Be that clean vessel that's fit for God to use. And when you glorify him, he gives you stuff. Not always money, but yes, money too. But he gives you stuff, peace of mind. So you can tell people, I'm not bugging. God's in control. So you can tell people when they say, well, you're going through, but you, you seem okay. I am. But it's not about me. It's about God. God has given me a peace. God has given me an assurance. God is, and listen, some people say that because they know it's the right thing to say, but other people really feel that. And if you can get to the place in your life where you can really feel I'm okay in the midst of it, then that's a whole game changer for you. Then you've gone beyond church and you've stepped into God's will for your life. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to get to a place where God is blessing us so much that we have to brag on him. See, he desires to reward you openly. Now, he's telling us don't do what we do to be seen, but he'll give us a blessing that can be seen. Because he wants you to have something that you can tell everybody you know. God blessed me with this. God blessed me with that. Peace of mind, new car, new job, pay raise. I had somebody give God praise one time. They got fired. They, came in, they got fired on a Wednesday. They came in Wednesday night Bible study. They gave God praise because they lost their job. They got fired. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's a strange thing to give God praise, but we ought to praise him in everything. And they knew that even though they had been fired and it was going to hurt them financially, that God had a plan. I want you to believe that in 2017, no matter what you're going through, up or down, good or bad, God has a plan. And I want you to serve him so much in secret that he has to reward you openly. 
I want you to pray so much in secret that he has to reward you openly. I want you to fast. I want you to read your Bible. I want you to do what you do for the glory of God and not the praise of men, so much so that he rewards you. Because if we really get right with God, the world is going to see his love in us. And then we're going to be able to fulfill the goal of our church. The overall vision for our church is to transform our world by the power of God's love. Well, the church isn't really transforming the world in this generation. The church had a great impact on the world for thousands of years. But in the last 70 years, the world has begun to impact the church. And instead of the world getting more like the church, the church has gotten more like the world. Whether it's through the music, the behavior, uh, the, 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 the way people live. Listen, I want us to get our lives in a position where God begins to bless us so we can tell everybody, that's the God I serve. If you're busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted, what do you have that someone else would want? If you're so stressed out that you have to be medicated just to wake up or to go to sleep, what do you have that the world could want? Come and, come and serve my God and you can be as stressed out as me? That, that, that doesn't give God any glory. That doesn't add weight to God's claim that he's the living and the true God. That doesn't add weight to his claim that he saves, heals, and delivers. But you got to get yourself in a position where you honestly, you feel so blessed. It's like Janet was talking about, where you get to that place where you feel so blessed that you're just happy. You're just happy just to be saved. You're, you're just okay. It's just, I'm just glad. I'm, I'm, some people come to church dreading it. I've never understood that. <laughs> you don't have to be here. If people come to church mad and angry, oh, I guess I better go because I'm supposed to. Uh, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. It's a blessing to come and be in the midst of God's people. It's a blessing to come and gather together in his name. God promised to pour his spirit out on us as we gather together corporately in his name. So we, we got to get ourselves together in our mind so that we can begin to get this open reward. And I want you to live with an open reward concept. If it's not in your life right now, if God is not flooding you with righteousness, peace, and joy, because that's what the Bible says the kingdom of God is, Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not about money. It's not about big houses. It's not about pay raises. All those things are nice. It's not about how you dress or how you drive. All those things are nice. But it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if you could have those three things active in your life, you wouldn't really care what you drove. You wouldn't care how you lived or how you dressed. You would just have right standing with God. You would have peace and joy. And you would be good, and that's where I want you to get. I want us to get healthy spiritually in 2017. And all those other things are going to fall into place. But we're going to be coming together starting January 11th, and I want you to come out. What day, what day of the week is that, Dean? It's a Wednesday? A Thursday? You sure it's a Wednesday, right? All right. We'll start that Wednesday, and we'll come together, and we'll spend time in prayer to God. Between now and then, you got 10 days to decide what you want to fast. Fasting is biblical. You Google the word fast, take a Bible search engine, and put the word fast in it, and you'll see fasting all throughout the Bible. And people fasted for different reasons. There's some biblical reasons to fast. We're going to talk about them over the next few services. Uh, one of the biblical reasons to fast is because of desperation. And I want you to be desperate. For the move of God in your life. I want you to be desperate for God to do something good in your life. 
I want you to be desperate for God to give you something to brag on him about. Not just so you can have better, but so that you can show better. Because we are a reflection of God everywhere we go. I love how people have contrasted or shown in a metaphor the sun and the moon as we are as Christians to our Father. I mistook one day recently the sun for the moon. The moon was up in the sky, and I'm like, look at this. The sun looks weird. Jake said, that's the moon, Dad. I said, oh, you're right. I, I, he said, but you said, it, it was, you said, look at that light, and it is the sunlight. And you, I'm sure most people know if you don't, you need to. The moon has no light. The moon doesn't shine. The moon just reflects the light of the sun. That's all. The, you see the moon in the sky. It's not shining. It's reflecting the light of the sun. And we as believers, we have nothing to shine of ourselves. But we are designed like the moon reflects the sunlight. We are designed to reflect the light of God. And I want you to shine. God wants you to shine. God, Jesus told us to shine brightly for the Lord, not to hide our light under a bushel, but to go out and shine. I want people on your job to, to be able to say, even unbelievers, well, I don't agree with her theology. I don't agree with her religion. But, man, I know she believes it. When people begin to see truth in you, when people begin to see blessing in you, listen, if you've got unsaved family members and you really want them to be saved, nagging them is not going to get them saved. Getting your mind right and getting the blessing of God on your life is going to get them saved. Because when they see it working for you, they're going to want it to work for them. But is it really working for you? Our theme of 2016 was freedom, the year of freedom, and answered prayer. I hope you got free from some things in 2016. I hope you got some answered prayer in 2016. Our theme for 2017 is getting serious about getting healthy. I hope you get serious about getting healthy in 2017. You're here tonight. That's a good start. You're here tonight. You started in the house of the Lord. The Bible says, blessed are those who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So you're blessed for being here because you had to stand at some point to get here. So the blessing of God is on you. But I want it to overtake you. I want it to openly reward you. I want God to fill you with so much peace and so much joy and so much righteousness that the whole world sees something different in you that they admire. And then you can say, that's my father. See, every dad wants his child to look like him. Listen, if your child don't look anything like you at all, <laughs> could be an issue there. You know, the mom knows it's the mom because she was there. I mean, she knows. But the dad just has to take it by faith. And if that child looks nothing like you, that's a sketchy situation. Every dad wants their child to look like them. I've heard parents argue. They're like, no, he looks like me. No, he don't. He looks like me. No, he looks like me. No, he looks like me. Listen, I'm not saying it matters if you look more like your mom or more like your dad. I can remember when Jacob was born. We prayed for years to have Jake because the doctor told us that uh, Gail wasn't going to get pregnant. And we went through uh, some, some different means of trying to have uh, pregnancy, and we finally gave up on it. And then God just blessed us with Jake, and my mom was in the room. Jake hadn't fully got out yet. Jake peeked his head out, and my mom from across the room screamed, Oh, my God, he looks just like Scott! <laughs> well, I never had a child, okay? 
And, you know, I'm not, I mean, some people, they get down in that catcher stance. and they, Now, I'm up here at the head. I, I'm holding my wife. I, I'm still, and, and so when I finally, when that doctor picked him up, I thought, that's what you think I look like? <laughs> this thing covered in goop and wrinkles. But I thought, my mom is so crazy. She's screaming in a room full of folk. And we had, I mean, we had the church in there. We had lots of people in there. And she's screaming, oh, my God, he looks just like Scott. And I harassed her about it, but she brought me a picture, and he looked just like me as a baby. Which was comforting to me, right? Because I'm like, cool, that's my son. Every father wants their child to look something. Listen, God wants you to look like him. That's one of the reasons he sent Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus was the perfect reflection of God. Jesus was the perfect representative of God. And God wants us to look like him. Well, how does he look? Are his eyes set far apart? Is, 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 he, is he, I mean, we, we know he's brown, but is he dark brown or is he light brown? I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not in that way. It's in character. You ought to reflect the character of God. That's love. That's goodness. It's gentleness. It's meekness. It's kindness. It's faith. You ought to reflect who God is. I've heard different authors, commentators, theologians pick what is the central. They talk a lot in, the, in seminary about the central attribute of God. And most people pick one of two things, either love or holiness. The one word that describes God most is it because the Bible says that in heaven they declare holy, holy, holy. They, 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 don't, they don't chant kind, 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 gentle, 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 loving, loving, loving. And the Bible says his name is holy. So holy is a definite, definitely a good description of God. But the Bible also says God is love. And God is the perfect show of love. And I want us to be both loving and holy so that people see a difference in us. The way to get that to happen is through what you do in secret. The Bible says what you do in secret, God will reward you openly. I tell the staff all the time that the key to having success in ministry, the key to having public success in ministry is having a successful private devotion. If you want success in your life as a Christian, you need to have a successful private devotion. You need to have time with God that nobody knows about, that nobody's privy to. They might know that you're having it if they live in the same house with you, but you need to be serious about your private time with God. That needs to get personal with you. That needs to get intimate with you. That needs to get regular with you because God said he rewards those that diligently seek him. You got a chance. You're one for one in 2017. You, you've read the Bible in 2017, or you've heard it in your hearing. You've been in church in 2017, so you're off to a good start. Tomorrow's January 2nd. Will you read the Bible on January 2nd? This is where the choices are made. Hopefully you prayed today. Will you pray tomorrow? That's where the choice is made. Hopefully you pray on Tuesday. Hopefully you'll read your Bible on Friday. You're one for one in 2017. I want to see you. Reflect God. I want to see you look like God. I want people to be able to start bragging on you so you can turn it and give God the credit for it and give God the glory for it. 
I want this community to see a reflection of God's love. I want this community to see us coming together loving each other. I want this community to know that when they come to our food and clothing ministry. I've been to ministries, they call them ministries, where people are so mean and so so horrible, they, 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 you know, in food and clothing. And they just act like you're bothering them. They told you come at a certain time to get the food, and then they act like, you know, you're garbage because you came to get food that they're offering. Listen, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to show love in all things. We're trying to show grace in all things. It doesn't always make it easy when you're committed to telling the truth because some truth is difficult. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes you have to tell somebody something that doesn't sit well with them. But we have to learn how to do it in love. We have to learn how to be committed to difficult truth, but to do it in love. And I want you to get your mind around this expected behavior of Christianity, which is fasting. When you fast, it's expected. I want you to do it with your heart toward God, not toward people, so that God who sees on the inside can reward you openly on the outside. I want you to build up a testimony. I want you to build. See, some people wonder why they go through tests. You go through tests to build a testimony. You got to go through some stuff so God can bring you out of it so you can brag on it. See, if you were just always perfect, if you were always rich and blessed and healthy and never went through any issues, if you never had any marriage problems, if you never had any health problems, if you never had anything that you needed God to deliver you from, you really don't have a testimony. You don't have anything to brag on him for. But you need to let God get you out of your mess. You need to let God help you in your day of trouble. He said, call on me in your day of trouble, and I will help. The psalmist said, I called on the Lord, and he heard my cry. We're going to call on the Lord the last 21 days of this month. And I want to invite you to come and call on him with us. We're going to get consecrated during this time, 21 days of prayer and consecration. Not just prayer, prayer and consecration. We said that consecration is to set something aside that is fit for God's usefulness. We're going to start putting some things off during this 21 days. We're going to set some things aside and say, I'm going to get rid of that. Now, I've, I've heard people say, Pastor, I gave up so-and-so dur- during our consecration, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's been so much better for me. I tell them, I'll go ahead and tell you in advance what I tell them every year. Then don't go back to it. You gave up something and it worked for you, don't go back to it. Don't decide, oh, I can't wait till the consecration's over so I can go back to watch nine hours of TV every day. Find out what life could be like turning your phone off at 7 o'clock at night and locking it in a drawer. Turning off your technology at, at dinner time and, and not seeing it again until the next day. Oh, that ain't making no young people happy. Well, if you're under 30 right now, I'm hitting you hard. You can't, you can't live without that hookup. Be thinking about what it is that you can diligently seek God through. What could you fast? Certain type of food? There's all types of fasts in the Bible. There's total fasts. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, I do not recommend that for most people. I have fasted twice for 40 days. Um, And if you only drink water, that... Doctors say you can only go uh, 21 days, three weeks, without food. You'll get a chemical imbalance and start messing with your mind. And, and they're right. And I, I've been there. And we had Deacon Jimmy tried to go with me one time. The second time I went on a 40-day fast, Deacon Jimmy's like, 
that's my pastor, I'm going to do it too. Well, the difference is my job is to give myself to study and prayer, and his job is to dig holes for fences and carry big lumber all day long and work out in the heat. That's, that's not an equal situation. And I told him, I said, son, you can't be out there sweating and not replenishing. Um, so I don't recommend a total fast for more than 21 days. And, and, and don't do a total fast unless you really believe that's what God wants you to do. There are partial fasts in the Bible. Christians regularly in Jesus' day would fast a certain meal on a certain day of the week. You might want to do that. Think about what it is. Remember, it doesn't have to be food. I think for some people, there are things that are more fastable than food. It's depriving your flesh of something it craves. Now, if you're a teenage boy, food is probably right there. If you ever had a teenage boy, you know what I'm talking about. It's right there. I never have to. We eat out every day. We've already eaten out twice today. We had Burger King for breakfast. We had Popeye's uh, for lunch, and we'll be going somewhere else tonight to eat dinner. I don't cook. I'm a single parent. And so we, we eat out a lot. I never have to ask Jacob if he's hungry. He's 15 years old. He's always hungry. <laughs> Seth has just turned 12, and his, his, his hunger hadn't kicked in yet. So he's typically on a, on a Sunday afternoon. We, we get, you know, Burger King at, at 9 o'clock, 9.30 coming into church. And Seth's like, I'm still full from Burger King. Jake's like, I'm starving. Okay? So if food is your go-to, then that's something that you really would be depriving yourself of. But what if coffee is your go-to? Oh, now we're getting personal. What if TV is your go-to? What if the Internet? They, they did away when I, when I uh, was in the military, computers were getting big. I had a giant computer on my desk in the 80s. Then things were huge. Um, and I was, I was doing word processing on... Uh, peach text and peach calc. Y'all don't remember that. Uh, but the first game, anybody know the first game they put massive on computers? It's still on there today. Solitaire. The government paid somebody millions of dollars to do a study, and they found out that the average 40-hour week government worker was spending 15 hours on the clock playing solitaire. Three hours a day. Three hours a day. They were logged on at work. Three hours a day. Playing. Listen, solitary ain't that exciting. Play Yahtzee online. That's a game. You know what I'm saying? Play. But three hours a day, five days a week. And they took solitaire off all government computers. That's back on there now because, you know, folk got to play. I don't know what your flesh craves, but you do. Are you willing to give up something to God? You, you've probably heard the story about David when God told him to go and offer a sacrifice to God. He went to a man to buy the instruments to offer a sacrifice, and the man said, you're the king, I'll just give them to you. And David said, no, I'm not going to take them for free. I'm going to pay full price for them because I won't offer God anything that costs me nothing. Your sacrifice, listen, I'm going to be real deep with you and then we'll go your sacrifice should be are you ready a sacrifice do you get that if it's not really a sacrifice then it's not really what a sacrifice 
See, David could have got his sacrifice for free, but he knew then it wouldn't be a real sacrifice because it didn't cost him anything. See, I could give up coffee for 21 days this month because I don't drink coffee. Now, that might, if, if somebody like, man, pastor is in it. He had given up coffee. I can't even imagine giving up coffee for 21. Pastor, giving up coffee. That's not a sacrifice for me. I could give up breakfast for 21 days because only day I eat breakfast on Sunday. And that's not until 9 o'clock. We just traveled for 11 days, me and my two sons. And we stayed in hotels that had free breakfast, buffet, everywhere we went. One of them had, you had to pay for it, but it was a little, it's so funny. The nicer hotels charge you for breakfast. I never understood that. Uh, you stay in a really nice hotel somewhere, they charge you for parking, they charge you for Wi-Fi, and they charge you for breakfast. You stay in a normal hotel, you get all that for free. But we had these free breakfasts every day, and 11 days we ate it twice, three times. Three times in 11 days. Why? Because we're just not breakfast people. So if I gave up breakfast, I'm like, I'm going to fast breakfast 21 days. That wouldn't be hard for me. Pick something that will cost you something. Because God said if you give up something for him, that he will repay you 30, 60, 100 fold. I want God to reward you openly. But you got to decide to be diligent in your seeking him. you got to decide to offer him something that comes at a cost to you because that's a sacrifice. And you got to get serious about becoming the man or woman that God wants you to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would guide us in this time of consecration. Help us, Lord, to seek you in the secret place so that you can reward us in the open place. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for salvation, healing, and deliverance. God, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would be a positive reflection of your love. Thank you for all that you've done for us, God. And we thank you by faith in advance for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.